It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Interviewing People, the career cast where you can learn about a variety of careers from people actually doing the work. Today I'll be talking with Alex Kane, who once walked these halls but is now a software developer, 3D artist, and teacher living in Tokyo, Japan. Alex talks about both his career and what it's like to live overseas. Enjoy the show. I'd love to just hear a little bit about what you did when you left high school and whether that was part of your plan or did things go a little differently than you had anticipated? Well, when I left high school, I went to Huntington University and studied digital media animation and got a minor in computer science. It definitely made a difference in my choices. On my sophomore year of university, we had the opportunity to go to Japan for two weeks. And we were gonna do some sightseeing and see some animation studios and independent artists. So I jumped on board with that. And first time being out of the country, seeing a new world. And it was very, um, very eye-opening to see how other people live and to step outside your country like that and see another culture and so that was a big part of why I'm here today. And I started learning Japanese before that, that trip. Yeah, we toured, we went to a couple museums, a couple animation museums. Uh, if you're familiar with Studio Ghibli, um, they're kind of like the, the, Jap- the Disney of Japan, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we, when we came back to the U.S., I kind of had that desire floating in the back of my mind to go back to Japan and just explore more. When I first entered university, the main, the main goal was uh, Pixar. That seems to be everybody's goal, Disney or Pixar, <laughs> yeah. the, the top ones, DreamWorks and whatnot. And then a lot of us wanted to do independent work because um, there's a lot of indie studios that most people don't even know about. But when you go to college, you get exposed to the industry more and see that there's other studios like in France or other independent artists here and there living all over the world. It's a different side of the industry that you wouldn't know unless you were exposed by professors or artists in the field. So then back to Japan, um, yeah, when I left college, I still had that desire to travel. Now I had, I had applied to like places in like a Seattle and California, um, bigger studios, but they, it was a toss up between, um, do I relocate on the other side of the country and then work at a studio for however many years? And my, I still had that desire to travel. So to go back to Japan. So I decided to do that instead. 2019 in March when I came to Japan. So I've been here for just over two years. So I know when you were in high school, you you were working on apps and, and everything else. Mm. How did all of that help lead you to where you are now? Do you still create apps? Do, are you uh, just strictly doing the, the 3D artistry and the software development? Mm. Uh, or is there still some app creation involved with this? Uh, yeah, the apps was, started with like iPhone development um, back in high school. That was when the App Store was first 
like built like there was nothing on there so i got i ended up getting a lot of downloads but they were just simple basic little programs that didn't really (laughs) do much um but now the competition is you know you can't even compete but i've always kind of been a self learner taking it upon myself to like google or youtube things and learn outside of class so i i still did a lot of the programming in college um writing mainly automating things uh, like tasks tasks that i would do repeatedly that just became tiresome and right so just figuring out how to automate that kind of stuff so when i graduated yeah, I was working in a program called Blender. It's a free animation suite. So I was trying to figure out how to make clothing for a character and how to get it to like, um, how to speed up that process because there's so many individual steps involved. So I was like, if there was just a button that could <laughs> do it all, that'd be great. <laughs> so, so I kind of played around a bit and developed what is now called a cloth weaver and it's a it's a plug-in it's an add-on for the blender free program Um, and it essentially helps you add clothing to characters um, and troubleshoot and test iterations in different settings uh, more quickly than having to do it manually and spending hours. Now, would you say you were the first person to create that? There's a studio called Marvelous Designer, and they do it at a professional level. And they're an independent program. I guess I would be the second, but now there's copies of mine. There's like five different clones that have come out since I've released mine three years ago. And how does that work? Are, should, should people be paying royalties for that and they don't? Or... Has your work been recognized by the other people? Apparently, one of my uh, previous customers from like the beginning, um, they ended up creating a product very similar to mine. Um, But technically, um, I can't do anything because within the Blender software, because it's open source, everyone can see your code. Oh, okay. So I can't really protect my code, I can write up terms of service and uh, legal documentation on my website saying, don't copy this, but there's nothing I can really do to stop a competitor from making a variant. Of course, they can't copy the exact thing, but if they have something, a program that's very similar, it's technically okay. So as a 3D artist and software developer, what is a typical day for you? Right now, um, in order to support my visa and my um, life here, I do, I teach English. Um, For the last two years, I taught English in public school. So this was last year at elementary school. This was in near Nagoya. So these are sixth grade elementary kids. So do you do most of your Hmm. 3D artistry and software development, then that, that's more of a side job. It's more of when I have the time for it, yeah. What do you think? Will that ever be your full-time gig? If I can get enough clients, and so there's like two sides of it. I have the 
3D artist side, freelancing side. And essentially that's just taking on various jobs from different companies and creating um, whatever they need done. For example, go to a job board website. Hey, we're looking for an artist who can create a, a character of, that looks like a Disney character and we want it to move a certain way and then send them an email. Hey, I can do this, here's my portfolio. So what I usually do is write up a contract or they would send me a contract. We would agree to you know, the terms. Um, usually, yeah, they would invoice me, send me a, uh, like a down payment first. And then when I send them the finished product after uh, collaboration, then receive the final payment. That's how that would go on that side. Um, right. For the software side, it's been a lot easier. So on the one on the one side, you're uh, you're self-employed here with the 3D artistry, and on the other side with the the software, you're more of like business business side. So um, you write your code once, you update it, you maintain it, and then just wait for sales to come in essentially. So I've been trying to boost this side because it's been more successful. The clients taking on clients, that's um, haven't had too many or haven't had the need to because the software side has been more successful. So really, you've been a freelancer on both sides. It's just the software development freelance side has been a little more successful for you. And the software side, I ended up creating an LLC for it. So my own company for it to sell okay. the software under that. So that way it has different advantages from a legal standpoint, you're protected if someone wants to attack you. So your personal assets are protected. From a tax advantage, you can take business deductions. So okay. if I need to buy a new desktop computer, I can write that off. Oh, and I don't know that we've officially identified that you are currently talking to us from Tokyo, Japan. So it's uh, 7 right. <laughs> p.m. Uh, U.S. time, it's 8 a.m. Mm. your time. and yeah. What, what's life like in Tokyo? Biggest city in the world, or one of the biggest. Very, very busy. I've been here in, in uh, Tokyo, on the outskirts of Tokyo, for just a month now. Before I was in, first year I was in Yamanashi. So that's, Yamanashi is like, well, that's right near Mount Fuji. So oh, wow. every day you can see the big, the big mountain. And there's a lot of nature, a lot of hiking trails. Ran into a bear, should have had a bear bell. <laughs> wow that's alone. scary i can alone shouldn't have done it but uh so that's yamanashi um kind of like a country town but everything is closer together we don't have the big stretches of road like the u.s and people drive on the on the left side getting my international driver's license was a chore they love paperwork here they really love their paperwork get this so you're probably under the same impression I was that we all thought Japan was like super high tech. And I think it stemmed from that one song. Was it in the 80s or 90s? Correct me. Or 70s. Uh, the, the Domo Arigato Mr. Roboto song. But they still use fax machines here. They don't really do much email. They, they do a lot of hard copies of stuff. They don't really make their own software. From what I've witnessed, they uh, they still use stuff from America, from Silicon Valley. As we think about you being in Tokyo and, and the work that you are doing, if someone mm -hmm. wanted to get into a career with 3D artistry, software development, what advice would you have for someone mm -hmm. wanting to do that? If you want to work at a studio 
and be specialized in like a certain field. For example, let's say you want to uh, do hair or fur or clothing or fluid simulations or animation or texturing. If you want to be more specific, then I mean, you could go to a university, um, an art school would probably be best. Liberal arts is so-so, at least in the uh, graphic design field, I found. They don't care about your credentials. They care about what your portfolio contains. So as long as you have the drive and the experience on your portfolio, either working for either freelancing or just having an abundance of artwork to show a potential employer or client, that's all they care about. For a freelancer, because we're kind of a jack of all trades, as a freelancer, you could get many demands from a client or a small studio, and you have to do a, you have to wear many different hats. You have to do a lot of different tasks. So, in that case, um, it's good to be a generalist to know a bit of everything, which is more so what I am, and that doesn't really require a degree. Um, none of my clients have cared; they just want to see the portfolio. But on the software side, software is a bit different, and that does require uh, credentials. So having that degree at a university or a tech school is going to be necessary if you want to be employed as a software developer. But being a freelancer, again, um, I just have a minor in computer science and took a couple classes. But the majority of, again, what I do is self-taught. We've talked a lot about relationships and how important it is to have relationships when it comes to a career. What role have relationships played in helping you get to where you are today? It's always the the little, uh, sometimes the connections that you make um, that help further you. Do you remember, you remember the Cunninghams, right? Yes. Yeah, they've been, they've been, uh, um, yeah, Eli's dad has been a good mentor to me um, on business side of things. Um, so yeah, connections like that, becoming an entrepreneur, uh, meeting yeah, different people in Japan. Like I've met people who I probably never would have met in the U.S. unless I go to a bigger city, I guess. Internationally, uh, people from Germany, France, uh, all walks of life, other programmers, uh, other graphic designers. Yeah, make a good impression and don't be afraid to get out there and uh, share your story and listen to others. And I think in the US, I've noticed, uh, we pride ourselves in individualism. And I love that um, because here it's more group mentality and that being able to not be so judgmental and listen to others and put your don't project your judgments on them too quickly open yourself to more opportunities it's interesting how that culture has given you those perspectives and you can see how we are as as americans and how that compares to other (laughs) parts of the world and obviously helps you be more well-rounded because you're able to kind of see the good on of each culture that's really Mm -hmm. interesting so As we think about some fun questions, 
for you to travel home to Ohio from Tokyo, do you have any idea how long would that typically take you? I think it's about okay. 14 hours. And then coming back, I believe it's 12 or 12 and a half. Uh, what do you miss most about living in the U.S.? Real hamburgers. <laughs> hmm. um, the food, of course. Being able to drive fast because speed <laughs> limits are slower here. How slow are they? A general road is like 40 or 50 kilometers an hour. So I think that translates to what, 35? So out in the middle of the country, 35 is the speed limit. Pretty much. They can get really narrow and you can only fit one car. And they have special compact cars. Their lights, they're horizontal, not vertical. Of course, they drive on the left side. I didn't mention that. So what's the most interesting food you've eaten while you've been in Japan? Maybe I'd say horse. Yeah. How did that taste? Uh, like beef, kind of. Really? Okay. I think, yeah. It was in a, uh, it was in a, like a udon, a soup. Is that typical in Japan to have horse? I wouldn't say too typical. You're not going to find it at every restaurant, but more of a uh, delicacy. Fish is the cheapest, then chicken. Oh no, pork. Pork is pretty cheap because there's abundance. Beef is actually the most expensive. Okay. It's difficult to find 100% beef. Anyway. So when I think beef in Japan, I think Kobe beef. Is that what they eat? Well, they have um, different different beefs from uh, different, uh, I guess you could say states or what they call it, a prefecture. There's like Hokkaido, there's Kobe. But yeah, that's more of a, yeah, you're going to pay a pretty penny to get, to get like a, a good steak here. You can go to a restaurant and you can get like, you can pay $30 and you can get unlimited cuts of meat or chicken or whatever. And it's brought to you fresh. And then you can grill it at the table. The table in the restaurant has like a little charcoal pit and you can yeah, cook it right there. And then you can have them change out the coals if you need to. As we start to wrap up, if you could go back to yourself when you were in high school and if you could tell yourself anything based on what you now know about life after high school and your career, uh, what would you tell yourself? Don't worry so much. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> uh, don't worry about future or little small things. In terms of career, oh, that was another thing. For like a career path, if you could find a mentor, find, at least on the artist side, find a, like a leader or someone in the industry and shadow them and get feedback. From them directly that would be way more beneficial than like a class of 50 people and you know you have a professor running around trying to help everybody it would be easier to have that one-on-one -on -one direct feedback um, if you can find that so i would i would go a route of um, apprenticeship i would say now i don't regret the experiences i've had in college um i would never have come to japan if i hadn't have gone there so right. <laughs> and friends and other opportunities growing becoming a, more of an adult yeah that transition period so so if anyone has any other questions if they'd like to reach out to you with questions about your career living in japan so forth uh how mm. might they contact you you can go to alexanderkane.net or contact me at contact at alexanderkane.net well, Alex, I greatly appreciate you offering some insights, and you are my first overseas person that I've talked to and interviewed, So, and it's good to catch up with you and see what you're doing. So thank you very much. I greatly appreciate you doing that for us. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great catching up. 
Thank you for watching this interview with Alex King. And to be sure you don't miss upcoming interviews, please click subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is released. Thank you for watching. And as always, remember, the best part about Mondays is interviewing people.